Now, into the teaching today, I started a new series last week called Realignment. Talking about aligning our lives with God's word to see God do new things. It's really, this month I'm sharing four pastoral messages for the church. And my prayer for you comes from 3 John, verse 2. I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Every area of your life, I want to see you blessed this year. But if you read further, the next verse tells us there's a connection between us walking in truth and seeing God pour his blessings into our lives. In other words, there are blessing stations on God's path. You walk God's path and blessings come into your life. And I used the illustration last week of, of a car. You know, from time to time, you have to have the front end of your car realigned. Because as you hit potholes and bumps in the road and wear and tear, stuff happens, the front end gets out of alignment. And if they don't make adjustments, everybody say adjustments. If you don't make adjustments to the alignment of the front end of that car, first it begins to chew up your tires, then it begins to break down your shocks and your struts and springs and so forth. And then if you're not careful, if your front end's out of alignment, you take your eye off the road for a moment and just loosen your grip on the steering wheel, and all of a sudden you will change lanes and wind up in a ditch. And that happens in life sometimes because life has a way of wearing and tearing on us. And we need to realign and make adjustments in the area of our lives to stay on track. And that's what we're talking about this month. So we're looking at four areas. L let me share this thought before I dive into today's message. God's word, the Bible, has been given to us to bring order to our lives. Just think about that for a moment. God has given us his word to bring order to our lives. In a world where order seems to be disintegrating, God's given us his word to show us how we can have order and his blessing in our lives. And literally, it's the word of the creator explaining to his creation, us, how we were created, why we were created, and how we can Walk through life with him. In other words, it's a manual. It's a roadmap for our life. It's like God saying, you want to know how I created you and why I created you? You want to know how to do life successfully? Here's how you do it right here. I give you a manual to go along with life. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. God's word brings order to our lives. Now, last week, the first message of this series, I talked about heart realignment. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What he was really saying was, if you love me, walk the roads I've shown you to walk. These are the roads that bring blessing into your life. So if you love me, walk these paths and you'll be blessed. And this lawyer, this student of the scripture came to Jesus and asked a question. Of all that God has told us, which is the big one? Of all God's commandments, which one's the big one? And Jesus said the big one is love God first with all you've got. Everything you have, all of your being, love God, put him first in your life. We talked about that last week and the challenge that our heart becomes to that. Today, I want to move to a different topic, but it's so extremely important. And worse than that, it's rarely talked about in many churches. It's an overlooked principle from God's word. It's a truth that every believer needs to understand. I want to talk to you today about time realignment. T 
taking control of our lives. Time realignment. I'm going to show you from God's word why so many of us have trouble getting control of our lives. Let me give you some quotes about time. These are, for the most part, famous quotes, but I won't tell you who made them because I don't want to spend a lot of time with that. Here's the first one. Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. Life's made up of time. You waste your time, you waste your life. Here's another good one. You may delay, but time will not. Here's a good one. We must use time as a tool, not a crutch. I really like this one. Yesterday is the past. Tomorrow is the future. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Think about it. Here's another good one. Those who make the worst use of their time are the first to complain of its brevity. And then one more time. You can spend it, which means use it for things that bring enjoyment and pleasure to your life. You can spend it. You can invest it for future benefit. Or you can waste it. You know, the truth is, and listen closely to this, we don't always manage our lives too well because we don't manage our time too well. And we don't manage our time too well because we don't manage the day that God gave us to realign our lives. We'll talk about this today, straight from God's word. Talking about time, let me see, tell you some things I hear from people. That means you guys, okay? Because most of the people I deal with are in this building in the, on Sunday mornings. Common things I hear from people when they talk about life and time. Here's one of them. The tail in my life is always wagging the dog. You heard that one? Instead of the dog wagging the tail, the tail is wagging the dog. Everything's backwards. How about this one? I can't get off this treadmill. Seven days a week, it just all runs together. It's run, 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 go, go, go. I cannot stop and get off this treadmill. Yes, you can. Here's another good one. My life is a roller coaster ride. And then probably the most common one I hear is when you talk about important stuff to people, you know what people oftentimes tell me? Yeah, but I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't have, I know it's important, but we don't have time for that. Why are these phrases so common today? I think it's because we tend to live our lives without godly order. Well, I, I just don't have time for that. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you have time for? Because everybody's life is passing by at the same rate of time. What do you have time for? Look at Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to share three or four overlooked truths today that we need to understand from God's word. Genesis chapter 2. Now, let, let me set this up before we start reading in verse 1. Genesis number 1 is all about creation. It starts out in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Day two, he created. Day three, four, five, six. Six days, God created. That's all of chapter 1. 
In that first six days, God created everything that we know. Now, I don't want to get into the debate about was it one day a thousand years? Was it this? Was it that? I don't know. It just notice what God says. In six days, God created. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, we go to the seventh day. Here's what it says. Verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Look at verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Notice those words. He blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, everybody say in it, in that seventh day he rested from all his work which God had created and made. As I read these verses of scripture, there's always one thing that jumps up first when I read it. That's the fact that it says God rested. God rested. When I think of God, when you think of God, what do you think about? When you think about God's day-to-day -day business, what do you think about? I think, man, God is busy. God is really busy. Just to think that he's watching over all of us 24 hours a day, just those of us here in this building right now, that's a big job. I can't imagine that God is everywhere at one time. He knows everything that's going on all over the universe. He keeps it all in balance. My first thought is God is really busy. I would dare say that on any given moment of the week, any, any second of the week, Somebody in this building or somebody who was here in first service is awake doing something. They're not, we're not all sleeping at the same time. Some work night shifts, day shifts, afternoon. We work different shifts. Somebody's up in the middle of the night. Somebody's not. You know, the point is God, if he knows everything and he's watching over everything, God is a busy guy. But at the end of six days, it says God rested. It grabs my attention. He ended his work is what it says. He stopped what he was doing and he reposed. He rested. He rested from the work. Now, my thought is, I don't think God needed to rest. I don't think God gets weary. I don't think we wear God out. Some of you may wear me out, but you won't wear God out. I don't think God needed to rest. I don't think that God was like, man, I got a headache. I am so, I don't think that's what the deal was. I think God said, you know what, this is wonderful. Everything I've done is great. I'm going to take a day and I'm just going to reflect and repose and look it all over and check it out. He'd even created Adam and Eve and put him in the garden. And yet he had a day where it says he rested. What a thought. But the other part of this that I want you to notice, and we, we see it in verse 3 there. It says God blessed that day of rest, that seventh day he blessed it and it says he sanctified it the word sanctified always means he set it apart for a purpose so when God finished creation he stopped he ceased his work he took a full day and he rested the seventh day and then he sanctified that day and blessed it and said from now on in my creation this seventh day is sanctified, it's set apart for you to rest. Now think about that. 
See, most of us say, well, you know, all that Sabbath stuff and all that Seventh-day stuff, it, it just comes from the Old Testament. It's Old Testament law doesn't apply to us today. This is at creation before there were any laws given, before God even, anything's recorded about what God began to say to man. It's right here. God says, my universe is perfect. It's wonderful. It's great. And I'm going to rest, and I'm going to set it up where everybody else can go strong for six days and rest on a seventh day because you're going to need it. You're going to need to rest. Wow, this is before Ten Commandments. This is before any of the law of God. God just set it out and said, hey, seventh day, everybody gets to rest. What an awesome thought. Now, go to Exodus 16. Thought number one, truth, God rested on the seventh day. Now, Exodus 16, I want to I show you something. Fast forward several hundred years. We've gone through, you know, the first patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now we're all the way down to Moses. Israel has been in bondage for three or four hundred years. Moses is sent by God. He leads them out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. They're on their way to the promised land. They're out in the wilderness. And now God begins to design and create and form this nation of people that he's going to call his own people, the nation of Israel. And as God begins to deal with them, they get hungry out in the wilderness. There's no food there. He sends them quail, and then he sends them this stuff called manna. Every morning they get up, and when the dew lifts, there's this stuff on the ground. It's bread for them. And, and Scripture says that actually the manna tasted good to everybody. Everybody liked the taste of manna. Even though they didn't know what it was and where it came from, they liked it. Now, that's a miracle in itself. Because if we, if we passed out food in this place today, somebody would say, I don't like that. Everybody liked the taste of manna. It was created in such a way where it was good to the taste. And so they begin to collect this food, and God lays out the rules. He says, here's what's going to happen. Every morning when the dew lifts, the manna will be on the ground. Everybody go out, and for every person in your family, pick up two omers. That's, that's a measure on an omer. I don't know how much it is. But, for example... Two bowls full for everybody, and that will be sufficient for the day. That's all they're going to need because it'll be there the next morning. Don't keep it overnight. You don't want to hang on to it. God was teaching them a lesson that I will be your provision every day of your life. Let's take this one day at a time. You trust me. I will not fail you. My provision will always be there for you. But what happened? Well, some of them, they didn't believe. The sixth day rolled around, and God says on the sixth day, Get a double portion. Take enough so you'll have portion for the seventh day. Because on the seventh day, there will be no manna. There's only going to be a time of rest. So God's telling them, don't look for extra provision on the seventh day. I give you double on the sixth so you have enough for the seventh. So all you can do is just rest because you need it. Now, look at Exodus 16. Go to verse 22. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen. Verse 22. So it was on the sixth day. They gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a seventh day to rest, a holy seventh to the Lord. In other words, it's a holy day because God has set it apart for its purpose. Bake what you will bake today, boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. How I many of you know that's a good thing? 
Now, why is that important? It's because on the other days of the week, they tried to hoard it and keep extra for the next day. And they'd get up the next day, and there were worms in it, and it would stink, and they'd have to throw it out and start all over again. But on the seventh day, it lasted through the sixth day and through the seventh day because that was God's provision for them. Now, it's, it's interesting. As you read this, look at verse 25. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Keep that in mind. You won't find it on the seventh day. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my Laws. Now, let me show you this, and we're going to finish reading this section. Some of the people refused to accept God's extra provision on the sixth day as being enough for the seventh day. And they went out looking for it on the seventh day. But they didn't find it. Why is that important? We need to learn from that. When we don't set aside a day... For the rest that we need, the day that God gave us, we enter into unbelief and we say, God, I don't trust you. That's what happens. You know when you start trying to hoard stuff where it doesn't belong, you know what happens? It gets worms and it stinks. You know what happens when you go out looking for something on the seventh day that doesn't belong there? You don't find it. Now, I'm going to explain this here in just a minute, so stay with me. So the first principle is God rested. The second principle truth that's often overlooked is God's provision came six days in the week, and it was more than enough for the seventh day. Now, let's read verse 29 and 30 real quickly before we move on. Next, the Lord says to Moses, see? Say that with me. See? He said, look, observe, see? For the Lord has given you the seventh day. Everybody look right here. Did you know that God created us in such a way that he knew we needed a day to rest? So God says, here, I'm going to give you extra provision in six days so you can rest on the seventh day because you need it. So God basically said, with my creation, I'm going to give you a day to rest. It's not my word, it's the word of the Lord. It's pre-law, before the commandments were even given. God says, I'm setting aside a day for you to rest. Now look at verse number uh, 29 again. See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Verse 30. So the people rested on the seventh day. It's a principle of faith and trust in God. That what I need to do in life... I'll break it into a weak piece and I can do it in six days. And God says he'll bless it in such a way that I have a full day to rest. See, God established a time for rest. Well, let, let me show you another overlooked truth, okay? Go to Exodus chapter 20. This is where God begins to give the Ten Commandments. We got into two of them last week, the first two. Have no other gods, don't build idols in your lives. But let's look at the next one, verse number 8. I want you to notice this. 
Exodus 20, verse 8. The Lord says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Once you remember that verse, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse number 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. It's, it's, it's designed by God. It's created by God for a specific purpose. It's purposed by God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it holy. He made it purposed. We read about that earlier. Now, I want to show you why this is important. A lot of people, if you ask them, can you quote some of the Ten Commandments? Because you know, the, the law still shows us our sin. It shows us where we're missing it. Can you quote the Ten Commandments? I'll bet you most Christians don't even realize that remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is one of the Ten Commandments of God. It's an overlooked, let me back up, it's an untaught principle in the church world. And as a result, we suffer. Did you know God doesn't suffer when we misuse a day of rest? It doesn't cause God to suffer. It, it hurts us. It causes us to suffer. I'm going to show you. Now, there's some things in this passage I want you to notice. The first thing he said is, in, in verse number 8, remember the Sabbath day. Remember that seventh day. In the original writings in the Hebrew, when it says remember, it means mark the seventh day. One, two, three, four, five, six. Mark this one. God has a purpose. One, two, three, four, five, six. Mark this one. It has a purpose. God says mark that day and keep it holy. Use it for its purpose. And then he gave laws to govern it. Don't do this. Don't, don't put your servants out in the field. Don't put your kids out in the field. Shut down your business. Shut it down because everybody needs the rest. But it's so interesting to me that Moses quoted it again and said, look, God blessed this day. God, did you know there are blessings that God has placed in the seventh day? There are blessings there if we'll enter into it for the purpose for which God created it. He blessed it and then he made it holy and said, here's the purpose of it. Now, in the New Testament, I'm not going to take a lot of time with the story, but one day Jesus got into a conflict with the Pharisees about the Sabbath day because the Pharisees had a thousand laws. Let, let me give you an example. And, and this, this is not to be, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, arguing with people. Uh, it's not to be smart aleck, but let me just tell you, last year, year there's a group of us here at the church went to Israel on a trip. Had a tour there. It was awesome being in the Holy Land for several days. One of the things that happened there, we were there over a weekend, and we were in this hotel. And from, you know, when uh, the sun sets on Friday night until the sun sets Saturday evening, it's their Sabbath. They call it Shabbat in their language. It's their Sabbath. We were staying in this hotel, and I don't know, there were like four floors on this hotel. They had, I think, three elevators, either two or three elevators in this hotel to accommodate all the people. But on the Sabbath, 
two of the elevators didn't work. They shut them down because for them it was a violation. For them it was work to push a button and ride an elevator. So they walked the stairs. And I'm thinking, dude, you got this backwards. Can I tell you something? I rode the elevator on the Sabbath. I am not a, because I wanted to rest a little bit. Now, I'm not being smart, but I'm just pointing out to you. Listen closely. Jesus, in this debate with the Pharisees, said to them, look, you're getting this all wrong. The Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. God did not create you and say, you got to go to church on Sunday and you got to bow your knee before me all day Sunday. That's what the Sabbath is about. No, Jesus said the Sabbath was for man. For what purpose? For rest. And he said, you Pharisees are missing the purpose. Jesus healed people on the Sabbath, and they got mad at him, said, you're breaking the laws of the Sabbath. Jesus said, well, what greater good could I do on the Sabbath than to do God's work? So there's always conflict about this day. But you've got to understand, the Sabbath was not established. The seventh day was not set aside as a curse and bondage. It was set aside as a blessing because God knows we need rest. I'm going to talk about that more here in just a second. We need rest. It's not about you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. It's about you don't have to do those things. I'm going to bless you so you can have a day of the week to rest because you need it. You need it. Now, let me talk about this first for a few minutes. The fourth thing, we tend to overlook the fact that the seventh day, this Sabbath day, is a day of purpose. God purposed it as a day of rest. Do, do you know why... You know why for some people their life's like a treadmill and they can't get off? It's because they don't have a seventh day where they get off the treadmill, set it all down, and realign things. You know why life's a roller coaster? It's because we don't have a day of the week to get order back in our lives. We need, everybody say need. We need a day of rest. So what did God intend for the Sabbath day? God intended the Sabbath day to be a reset button for our lives. Have you ever had your garbage disposal? Ladies, you may not know this. Uh, your, you may just call your husband and say, fix this. Did you know garbage disposal, sometimes they just quit working? So you reach underneath and you push in the reset button and all of a sudden it starts working again? Sometimes life breaks down because we haven't taken time to reset. It short circuits things. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody has issues. Everybody has, everybody has problems. Everybody has stuff to deal with. We all do. But sometimes it shuts down on its own because we've not taken care of it. And I want to talk to you. There's three areas of life we need to have in mind. The Sabbath is a reset button. It's an intermission. It's a time to rest, reflect, renew, and realign, make adjustments to our lives. Three kinds of rest. Number one. We need a day of the week for spiritual rest. We are spirit beings. The Bible teaches we are spirit, soul, and body. We are spirits. 
We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, and we live in a body. We're three-part beings. We're, we're created in the likeness and image of God. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. There's a likeness there. We are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. Number one, we need a day of the week for spiritual rest. What is, what is spiritual rest? You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, when Moses is recounting all of God's commandments and all this stuff to Israel once again on this journey, one of the things he says is, on this Sabbath day, you need to stop and remember that you were slaves in Egypt, but God delivered you from Egypt, from that land of bondage, and you are now the children of God. He delivered you with a mighty hand, and you need to set aside part of that day to be spiritually refreshed and realize you are on the journey and God is still on your side. As a matter of fact, I can take you all through Scripture, I, especially the Old Testament. I walk you there place after place after place. God was continually complaining at Israel because they were violating the Sabbath and they were forsaking his house. You know, I, I, I've been saying this for the last year now, I guess, when I first heard about it. Did you know in America, the average Christian, people who claim to be Christians, some are social Christians, I get it. The average Christian in America goes to church 1.3 times a month which means they're getting about a third or a fourth of the nourishment they actually need from God's house. God has never taken his hand of blessing off of his house. Jesus said, my house should be called a place of prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is when we connect with God, when we talk to God and we listen to God. Now people say, well, I can be blessed not going to church. I know that. I know that. But I also know that God ordained in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to speak into our lives, to bring us to a place of maturity so we can carry the work of the gospel. That's what scripture says. And if we don't get the influence of those ministries in the church, we don't have them in our lives. And it, it stops our maturity and our growth level because we begin to define what God's word is for ourselves rather than hearing anointed teachers of God explain to us what God is saying. Everybody smile at me for just a moment here. There's a part of every Sabbath that you need to set aside for spiritual rest. You know what spiritual rest is? Spiritual rest, very simply, is worshiping God, hearing God's word, praying, allowing God to show you how to apply that word to your life. I need it. You need it. We need spiritual rest. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this right up front today. Or I guess it's not up front. This is getting close to the end, isn't it? I'm going to say this right in the middle of this message because I'm going to preach twice as long now since you all are thinking that, okay? <laughs> when our lives are spiritually out of alignment, everything else begins to suffer. See, most of people's, most, most of people's problems go back to a spiritual root somewhere. When we're not being ministered to spiritually, when we're not receiving what we need spiritually, when we're not honoring God's house, we're setting ourselves up for problems. Those of you watching online today, thank you so much. I, I mean that from my heart. I appreciate that. We provide our services online on Sunday morning. So those who are shut in, those who might be battling a sickness, those who are here, aren't here for whatever reason, they can be, home, can be at home and be refreshed. 
But if you're using this as a replaced church, you're making a big mistake because we need you in God's house. You've got something to give to us that's missing. Now, I know, I know nobody goes to the Bridge Church would do that, but maybe you go to one of those other churches across the country and you're just watching today out of curiosity. You need to be in church whenever you can be in God's house. We, we, you know, the last two weeks, we've had like 125 different online sites watching us on Sunday morning. That's awesome. If it's for good reason. Of course, after what I just said, it'd probably be down 50%, but <laughs> so be it. That doesn't replace God's house. Things happen in God's house that don't happen anywhere else. So a part of a day of rest is spiritual rest. The second thing a part of our spiritual rest is rest for our bodies. You know, a lot of our bodies are breaking down because we don't get rest. I hear it all the time. I mean, I constantly hear it on the news and I see it in, in, in periodicals and stuff. I see it online when I'm looking at stuff. All the time people say, if you don't get X number of hours of sleep every night, your body's going to break down. You hear all this stuff. You're going to have problems if your body's not getting rest. Can I tell you something? If you're not getting enough sleep during the week, take a nap on Sunday. For some of you, that should be such a relief. You can go home and tell your spouse today, Pastor Gary said I could take a nap today. <laughs> if your wife needs a nap today, let her take a nap. She needs it. She needs rest for her. You know why? If we don't get rest for our bodies, they become susceptible to sickness, disease. It wears on our mental man. It wears on our spiritual man. It begins to hurt everything. God said, I give you one day a week that you don't have to do all that other stuff. You can stop and you can rest. Oh, but, but, no, 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 no. He said, I'll bless you enough in six days that on the seventh day you can rest because you need it. I got a lot of amens first service. It's pretty quiet here. It's because a lot of us have never been taught this. I wasn't taught this. I'll explain that in a few minutes too. Your body needs rest. And God said, I give you one day a week. You can sleep. You man, you can sleep. You can sleep. Honor me. Get spiritual rest. But take care of your body. Get physical rest. And then the third thing, you need rest for your soul. Your mind. Your emotions. They need to rest. Some of us, our minds don't stop 24 hours a day. We can hardly sleep at night because of go, 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 go. You need to turn it off and shut it down one day a week and say, I'm not going to do anything except what recharges my mental, emotional, spiritual, physical batteries. I'm going to shut it down. Now, what does that look like? Well, it looks like different things for different people. Some of you need to go after church and read a book because you enjoy it. You know, one of the things I've learned about husbands and wives, husbands and wives in different things charge our mental batteries, our emotions. We get charged by different things. For example, you know, Ann and I, we can go home on Sunday afternoon and nothing charges our batteries like a good romantic movie. No, I'm sorry, that's Ann's batteries. That's not my batteries. <laughs> I want to go home and I want to watch somebody shoot somebody or blow something up. That's, that's how I'm wired. You say, well, that's horrible. No, it's not. It takes me out of real life into imaginary place, and I just lay down everything else, and I just watch the whole world explode for a while. <laughs> it's awesome. 
It's an awesome thing. You know, some of you women are like, well, I can't believe you want to watch that. If it brings him rest, let him watch it. Not every day of the week, but give him Sunday evening to watch a, a violent movie. Now, I know not every man wants that, okay? Some of you guys want to go and watch cooking shows. I don't get it, but go ahead, okay? If that charges your battery, fine. What should you do? You should do the things on Sunday that bring rest that you don't do all the other days of the week because God said you need to rest. What's the Sunday for? The Sabbath is to rest, reflect, renew, realign. It's a reset button. Some of our lives are out of control, and all the while God said, man, I don't get it. I give you one day out of seven to sit down and get order back in your life. Why don't you do it? Well, because the world says I can't. My boss. You tell your boss, Pastor Gary said, you need a day to rest. Try it at least. You can try it. You need a day. You need a day to rest. Now, I'm, I'm probably going to be a couple minutes longer than I normally am, but I want to finish this. I, I could spend a whole other message with this on how to is what we can do, but let me, just, let me just talk about this for a couple minutes. When I was a kid growing up, I came from a very religious household. Old-fashioned, Pentecostal family, holiness people. I mean, we had, we, had, we had more rules. It's unbelievable. We had an encyclopedia book full of rules, do's and don'ts, okay? I was raised in that. And Sunday was the holy week, it was, or the holy day. It was God's day. You know what we did on Sundays? Well, at 9.45 in the morning, we had Sunday school where we had Bible lessons. 11 o'clock, we had worship service that lasted till about 12.30 or 1 o'clock. So we were at church from 9.45 till 12.31. My mom was musical. She was in the choir. She played piano at church. As a kid, I started singing in our youth choir. So Sunday afternoons, we had this radio broadcast. So we had to be there at 2.30 to rehearse. At 3 o'clock, we did a radio broadcast for 30 minutes. And at 3.30, we were finished. We would run home, change clothes. At, seven, at 6 o'clock, we were back for youth service. At 7.30, we had the Sunday evening service, which is a whole different service that lasted for at least two hours, sometimes three hours. We'd go out to eat. We'd get home at 11, 11.30. Monday morning came around, and I was exhausted. I'm going to be honest. When I was a kid, I hated Sundays. My dad wouldn't go to church when I was a kid. I wanted to go to the swap meet with my dad on Sunday. I didn't want to go to church. That wears me out. It's all day. How many of you were raised in that? Some of you are laughing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Sunday was anything but a day of rest. I went into the ministry at 21 years of age. Just stayed, stayed on the treadmill. Go, 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 go. Several years later, we finally figured out that we didn't have to do Sunday night service. Now, I know there were some old saints who thought we were going to hell. Some of you still think we are. We are not. We are not. We're going to church Sunday morning to get our spiritual rest. We're taking the rest of the day to rest our bodies and our minds because God said we need it. This is, boy, this is good preaching. <clears throat> if you're not going to cheer me, I'll cheer myself. That's good, Pastor Gary. Say it again. Now, let me. <laughs> I know I'm playing in the crowd here, but hang, hang with me. Some, some of you ladies should be so excited that you can go home today and say, don't tell me I can't take a nap. Pastor Gary said I can take a nap. 
Sabbath excuses. Ah, uh, but, but that's Old Testament stuff. That's in the, that's in the Old Testament law. We, that's not sub, we're not subject to that anymore. Okay, let me, let me just show you something. First of all, as I showed you, this was all given to us at creation, the seventh day of creation. The principles given to us by God. That was before the law was ever given. Not only that, well, that's Old Testament law. So is, you shall have no other gods before me. Does that one not count anymore? How about this one? You shouldn't bear false witness and lie about your neighbor. Well, yeah, I think that's still in there. I think that's still important. How about this one? You shall not commit adultery. That's in those same group of commandments. That one still works today. At least it should be. Boy, it really got quiet on that one. <laughs> Wait till the last Sunday of this month. Um, what about you shall not murder? comes from that same group of commandments that Paul said shows us the sin in our lives. Some of us have fallen into sin and didn't even know it because God says, look, I'm going to give you a day to rest. Take it and use it. But we're on this treadmill and we can't get off. Our excuse is, well, that's just Old Testament law. No, it's not. It's God's day of rest because we need it. He blessed that day for us. Here's another thing. Well, I can't get everything done in six days. Yes, you can. You just need to reorganize your life a little bit. You need to realign your priorities. You need to stop letting the kids run you ragged and everybody else run you ragged and live your life for everybody else. And you need to live your life the way God's word says you can. Because God said, I'll bless you enough in six days that you have a seventh day to rest. Yes, you can. Oh, but, but you don't understand. Yes, I do understand. Sometimes our lives get out of control because we need to realign our priorities. God wants you rest he wants you to rest reflect renew and realign you know from conversations I have with people for some of us our lives are out of control and one of the reasons God gave us a seventh day was to stop and reset and get our lives under control we need to use it for that purpose. A few years ago, and I'm almost done here. A few years ago, Ann and I went on vacation. We, we had an opportunity to go to Hawaii. You ever been to Hawaii? If you get a chance, you need to go. It's beautiful. We had like seven, eight days there in Hawaii. And we're like, oh, this is going to be the most glorious week ever. It was great for me because I learned an amazing lesson. We got to Hawaii, and you know, there's these beautiful pools, Beautiful beaches, the hotel's nice. We're looking out from our room over the water, and it's like, wow, blue water, blue sky, 80, 85 degrees. This is like what heaven's going to be, you know. It's just, oh, this is awesome. And so Anne's all ready to go relax, gets the lounge chair, man. She's all stretched out. And I'm like, what am I going to do? 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 It took me five days to unwind. I was looking for something to do every minute of the day. The last two days, it was like, wow, this being still is kind of fun. I learned something. L listen closely to me. I realized, and I'm still working on this, I don't know how to rest. You know why I don't know how to rest? Because I was never in an atmosphere that rested 
that had a day of the week to take care of the body and the soul. I jumped into ministry at 21 years of age. I didn't know what I was doing. I jumped in and started learning. And I jumped into a treadmill that I couldn't get off of for years and years and years. I'm still learning how to rest. Ann and I have learned if we go on vacation, seven days does me no good. I need at least 10 days, 12 days. Otherwise, I spend the first four or five days trying to figure out how do you relax. I'm trying to learn that. Some of you are workaholics. You're killing yourselves and you're hurting your family. You're cheating them out of something and you're cheating yourself out of something because you're never at your best because you don't rest. We need rest and God gave us a day to have it. There ought, there, there ought to be some really good conversations in homes this afternoon and this evening about how, how do I rest? How do, how do you rest? How can we set aside time each week to rest? You know what I realized? I'm middle-aged now, and I spent the early years of my life. I, I, I cheated my church because I didn't know how to rest, and it kept me from being at my best. Don't make that mistake. I'm trying to learn how to correct it. So I'll give you a challenge today. Figure out how to take this day of the week to rest, reflect, renew, and realign. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray two prayers. I want to connect them together. But I want you to just bow your heads for a moment if you would. There's probably some people who've heard this message and thought, wow. You mean God really loves me so much that he wants to give me a day every week to rest? Yes. You mean there's a God who really wants to bless me six days so I don't kill myself on the seventh day? Yes. Yes. God loves you that much. As a matter of fact, God loves you so much. He put his son on a cross to pay for your sins and bring you into relationship with him. But you have to take a step of faith toward him and say, God, I want you in my life. You've got to give him an invitation and respond to him. You may be here today and something inside of you is just turning over and you're realizing, man, there's truth to all this. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's Spirit telling you, I love you. I want you. This is truth for you. But you've got to open up and receive it and apply it to your life. Walking with God's journey lasts all of your lifetime throughout eternity. But it's got to start somewhere and it starts with a prayer. Inviting Him in. I want to lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray a prayer with me you open your heart to God everybody in the house you don't need to scream it or shout it but just everybody here pray this prayer and wrap, wrap, wrap your heart around these words say these words say God I need you and I invite you into my life please be my God forgive me of my sins I want to know you I want to be your child I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Him to become the Lord of my life. I want to walk with you. So teach me your ways. From this moment forward, you are my Father. I'm your child. 
thank you for receiving me today. I will walk with you. In Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed for one moment. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room. Show us that we need rest. Show us how to use this day in our families, our businesses, our homes. Show us how to use this day, this seventh day, each and every seventh day. Show us how to use it for its intended purpose to bring rest into our lives. Father, I pray you'd help husbands and wives communicate and talk. Find ways to bring rest for the family physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Show us how to walk into your rest. That this day would be a day of blessing and not a day of bondage. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you guys. Please, get this working in your life. Don't, don't live your life without it. I promise you, it'll make a big, big difference if you will get rest every seventh day having said that last thing I want to say if you prayed that prayer a few minutes ago for the first time or maybe you're the prodigal you've been on the run and you realize it's time to get back in relationship with God we have a little booklet we want to give you it's, it's just a gift for you it's our gift to you it's a tool to help you build a relationship with God that prayer is just the beginning it's not the end it just starts starts the journey we want to give you this little booklet when service is over, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk down to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. They'll know what you want. They've only got one booklet there. They'll give you that booklet. If you want to get it and go, that's great. If you've got questions, they can help you. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. If you're in a really big rush, you can go out in the middle of the lobby. Just as you leave, the exit of the glass door is right in the middle. There's a counter set up there. You get the same booklet there. Just say, can I have the book? They'll give it to you there. God bless you. We put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family. We love you today. Can we thank Pastor Gary for that awesome message this morning? It's so important to be reminded of the importance of taking a day of rest. And the good news is, um, I don't want to spoil this for those of you DVRing the game, but some of your favorite football team will be getting a Sabbath next Sunday. Um, but we want to give you an opportunity to worship the Lord with your giving this morning. As you can see on the screen, uh, we've got four ways that you can give, uh, whether it be here in service, in person. You can do it online. You could set up automated giving. You can do the ultra-convenient text to give as well. But if you are a guest here with us this morning, we want to say that there's absolutely no pressure whatsoever for you to give. This is uh, just for the people who call the Bridge Church home to be able to attach uh, their giving to the mission and the vision of the Bridge Church, which is helping people connect with God and connect with each other. Um, if you're on our email list, just as Pastor Gary was sharing, we've been getting specific prayer points over this past week. And the one that we got on Saturday was that God would... Uh, just cause us that we would be in prayer to be more generous, that we would be looking for more opportunities to be generous 
in our lives. And I think one of the most important ways that you and I can uh, practice our generosity is in the area of tithes and offerings. Tithe is 10% of all that we uh, receive and uh, offering that which is over and above those things. In Proverbs 21, 26, it says, the righteous one gives and does not hold back. The righteous one gives and does not hold back. Why is it that you and I give? Why do we not hold back? It's because God didn't hold back when he sent Jesus for us. And he doesn't hold back when he gives to us in every single day. Our collective giving allows us to do some amazing things in our community. Our community care program, we feed hundreds of people a week. We clothe them as well. But more importantly, it allows us to impact people's lives spiritually all over the world through global missions, things that we're doing, as well as ministries within our church. Pastor Gary was sharing that we had 250-something students that were here for Bridge Youth the other night. Did you know that 33 of those young people made first-time decisions to follow Christ? 33. And church, that's because you are so faithful in your giving. I just want to say thank you on behalf of the Bridge Church. Thank you, church, for giving and holding nothing back. The ushers are going to come forward and receive our offering right now. As they do, we just want to ask if you would remain seated until the dismissal of our service. And uh, be blessed as you give. Check out Church News. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley, and I want to give you a very special welcome. We're thrilled that you and your family are here with us. If you're here with us for the first time, we especially want to say thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected here in the church. There's always a lot happening at The Bridge, and we want to help you get involved. So let's check out church news and see what's going on. term of Bridge Women. In this term, we'll be doing a study entitled Fervent, which I really believe is going to transform our prayer lives and cause us to go deeper in our relationships with God. So mark your calendars and be sure to join us for the launch on Monday night, January 28th at 6.30 p.m. Also, if you currently serve or have interest in serving at Bridge Women, please join us for a very important volunteer gathering on Tuesday morning, January 22nd at 9.30 a.m. in the Youth Center, where we'll prepare and pray for this new term. We would absolutely love to have you on the Bridge Women team. And remember, these are free events and child care and Spanish translation are always provided. We can't wait to see you there. Connecting Point is coming up on Sunday, January 27th at 6 p.m. You might be wondering, what is Connecting Point? If you are new to the church and you're looking to find out more about the history, vision, and heartbeat of the Bridge Church, Connecting Point is the place to come. Maybe you've been a part of the Bridge for a while and you're ready to take your next step and serve somewhere in the church. 
Or maybe you haven't quite put your roots down yet, but you feel like it's time to say, the bridge is my home church. Connecting Point is the place to come. We want to meet you and help you take your next steps in church life. Childcare is provided for all kids, infant through fifth grade. Just sign up at the Connection Center before you go today so that we can prepare for you. This is a very casual evening that lasts about one hour and we want you to come. We hope to see you on January 27th at Connecting Point. day in church with you this morning. Just remember, if you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time today, grab a copy of the next seven days at the Connection Center on your way out. If you need prayer for anything that's going on in your life, we have prayer teams that will be down here at the front of the stage. They would love to pray with you. We will see you next Sunday for Realignment Part 3. We love you. Have an amazing Sunday.